It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gut. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is X-Pac, and you're listening to EOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. Ken? When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on, Chris? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? Almost as famous for, for his Facebook trolling as he is from his wrestling years. General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and... Who could have fled? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Diller, you guys are busting me up. <laughs> and I don't think Hollywood's ready for Malcomania, but we'll wait and see. The bigger you are, the harder you fall. This is Larry Zabisco, wrestling's living legend. VOC Nation Radio, worldwide. VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Wrestling with History. We are worldwide, and we're live every Wednesday night, 9.30 Eastern Time. Most Wednesday nights, 9.30 Eastern Time, uh, 6 o'clock, 6.30 Pacific, right here at VOCNation.com, or you can listen to the podcast for free at any of your favorite podcast directories. I think that's how you say it. The Voice of Choice, Bruce Ward, Killer Ken Resnick, back after a brief hiatus last week, we were having some problems with the studio and uh, the the live stream coming out, so we did not broadcast last week. We, you got to listen to Malia Hosaka one more time, just a fantastic interview that uh, Killer Ken and I did two weeks ago. And uh, Ken, tonight I want to talk about, I was thinking about this over the, the, the time that we had off, and I want to talk that's about all, the evolution. That's always a, that's always a scary thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> when, when you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, never mind. <laughs> Tonight, <laughs> I want to talk about the evolution of the backstage interview. All the way from, let's say, the 1970s, your contributions in the 80s and where it is today, just what goes into it, the reasons for it back in the day, and how it's used now because it's very different, and you can see the changes throughout the different eras of professional wrestling. And, Ken, one of our value propositions here on this show and VOC Nation is that if you're listening live, you can interact with any of our hosts, whether it's Ken and I tonight, Brady and the Maestro and Kathy on Tuesday, uh, Maestro on Thursday, Shelly Martinez on Tuesdays. I'm going out of order on the days, but who cares? Any of our shows take calls, and that is very simply this show. It's 213, no, 657. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rusty. 657 383 1666. I almost gave out the, uh, the back door number. It's 657 
383-1666. Tweet us at Bruce VOC or at VOC Nation. Ken, how was your week off? What did you do? Did you go on vacation? Did you uh, swim the Bahamas? What did you do? I don't know that it's safe enough to, to go anywhere on vacation. But I allude back to what I first mentioned. See, that's the problem. Bruce, I, I mean, the, the voice of choice, you're like a finely tuned athlete. When you just react, it's awesome. But when you start to think about it, then we got trouble. It's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. What What's happening? What is happening to me? My brain's just not with it, Ken. This coronavirus lockdown is getting to me. I have two young kids running around screaming, and uh, it's just been a little bit chaotic during this uh, this shutdown. What are we on, month, what, 14, 15 since we started? Uh, I don't know, but, you know, if that's the case, maybe, you know, in the open we need to somehow include, remember that song from years and years ago, it sounds like it would be fitting for you, where it goes, they're coming to take me away, ha, 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 to the funny farm. They that could be your new could. theme song. <laughs> well, if we go five more months of this, it, it might just be. But it looks like, Ken, there's a vaccine on the horizon. You've seen the news, right? Moderna and uh, the, the other one from Oxford, uh, AstraZeneca. There's two vaccines that are in play. And it seems like we're going to get something That'll at least get to the the most vulnerable before the end of the year, and then the rest of us uh, first part of next year, and we can start to get back to normal and travel and do wrestling conventions, and you and I can do our first live show that we've been promising for a year. Uh, I, I just hope. <laughs> I hope that we don't have any lockdowns. I, I, I was going to say, Bruce, are you familiar with that expression? I'll believe it when I see it. It's like there's a great hope for a vaccine until there's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right now, and, and we'll we'll get into wrestling in just a second, but right now I saw the other day there's a trial going on with 30,000 participants, and I'm just like every one of those people, I'm rooting for them. I'm praying for them because if, if the percentages are, are not too good, then – then we'll be, you know, who knows when this thing will end. And there might be some people out there, some politicians that like the power that never wanted to end. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, it doesn't matter what side you you of the aisle you look at it from. In totality, it's like somehow this country has, in a short time, become like a third world country. Yeah. Uh, what the for my book, we need you to start thinking about, oh wait, now we'd really be in trouble <laughs> <laughs> well it's uh it's see I've got two weeks about it. we 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 were off last week, so I've got two weeks worth of kind of picking on you, you know, stored up <laughs> well listen, this isn't the Alex Jones show or or any kind of conspiracy <laughs> type shows, but if you think about it, Ken. And I saw there, uh, there was uh, some, some congressional action. There was some testifying from these big four companies. But the big four, Amazon, Google, uh, Facebook, and Apple, are all benefiting. They're all doing very, very well financially from this lockdown. So if it were up to them, why, why would you change anything? I mean, why, why go to the store? You could buy from Amazon. and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, could uh, – could, <laughs> Could that be the case? Could there be a a group of, of super elite that just doesn't want things to go back to normal because they're making lots of money off of this? Could that well, be the case, I, 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 I don't know about that. I would say there was a con- congressional meeting, but I don't know that I would go so far as to say there's been any congressional action. <laughs> I, no action. I mean, it, 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 I, I, I'm thinking – Congress should really be, you know, whether it's the the soccer Hall of Fame or a, a football Hall of Fame, because there has never been an entity better at kicking the can down the street than Congress. <laughs> Listen, one more thing, and then we'll get into wrestling. Did you see the Bill Barr testimony 
uh, yesterday. Yesterday, I think it was. And so uh, Jerry Nadler, he gets into a fender bender. He's 45 minutes late. They start the thing late. I guess there was no lunch. There was no time for lunch. So they're getting towards the end, and Bill Barr says, can I take a five-minute break? And Jerry Nadler says no. Uh, whoever the Republican is on the left side of Nadler said, what, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're, this is, this is insane. Let the guy take a five minute break. Bill Barr says, you know, you're a real class act. And, uh, he said, he said, wait a minute, I had to wait 45 minutes for you, but you can't give me a five minute break. It was, it was probably the funniest thing that I've seen, but it was, that, that's the sad part about the state of the country is, uh, Congress has turned into a circus, <laughs> It, it really has. Uh, well, thankfully, no. I I, I caught some snippets uh, on the news, but I, I've kind of got to the point where it, it's like uh, you, you might accomplish more by sitting outside on a nice day watching grass grow. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes. Okay, back to wrestling. Uh, six five seven three three sixteen sixty six. We'll try to get you in before the end of the show. Ken, uh, the backstage interview. So this is kind of how you came to fame in professional wrestling. You were a backstage interviewer. You also did commentary and and that sort of thing. But I think your most prominent role, at least at least from my viewpoint and and my fandom, was the backstage interview and. I think back to the 70s when almost everything was right in front of the ring. You know, you had Vince McMahon after a match grab the performer and they'd, they'd talk to them right there. I don't remember. I mean, and I, I'm certainly not old enough to remember what the backstage interview, if there was anything more than that in the 70s. And then in the 80s, we transitioned to you have these wraparound interviews. So the house shows were what happened around the country and in the different territories, you'd have a backstage interviewer that did interviews with the talent and they'd record sometimes what all day for matches that were coming up in the individual towns for TV. Can you take me through that process, Ken, how the backstage interviews worked when you were part of, both the WWF and the AWA and the difference in style and, 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 and the goals, just take us through what that process looked like. Well, you're right in that most, you know, before my time, but I watched most of the interviews in the seventies, Bruce were kind of done, you know, right at ringside or out at the open or during the actual TV taping, just, you know, off to the side with a backdrop. And in the 80s, that changed really for a couple of reasons, but most of all because as the shows were being syndicated into so many markets, it was just, you needed to do so many interviews that you needed to do an interview, you know, say in the AWA specifically for what was going to be coming up in the twin cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, you needed to do specific interviews for what was coming to Chicago or Denver or Milwaukee or green Bay or salt Lake. So it was really, the change was driven more by necessity of TV syndication and expanding markets. And secondarily, because television at that point was really the driving force for house shows, because in the early 80s there weren't any pay-per-views, that the interviews needed to be well done. And you had an influx of talent that sometimes weren't that good. So that was really secondary, but a benefit. But it was really driven by the fact they had to be market-specific, not because of any television requirements, other than uh, in Winnipeg, where the AWA aired on TV. In those days, you had to have Canadian content 
In other words, footage that had to have been filmed in Canada to air on Canadian television. But the biggest reason for the change was because it, it, it was a necessity because of the expanding markets. So I, I guess by the time that, that the WWF transitioned to their event center format, this was right after your time. By the time that happened, there was the, the wraparounds were done in the event center and the talent just recorded kind of them talking about the match. And there was no interviewer. There was just them by themselves. So when you did it, each interview was specific to each town Either you or Gene Okerlund or or somebody else was back there doing the interview, and I'm guessing you had to be back there all day during those tapings recording each individual town. Is that right? And and it would be separate interviews, not nothing spliced together. Uh, to give you an idea, my record was one day at the Meadowlands. We did a hundred and eleven interviews because everyone was market specific. And if you remember, in the heyday of, of the eighties, WWF would often run two towns a night. That you know there would be two different groups. So you can just imagine how many interviews. And one of the problems, say, uh, you know, at the time, you know, one of the big programs was Jake the Snake and and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Great matches, but oftentimes I might have to do, you know, 10 to 12 matches, interviews with Jake, about his upcoming match with Ricky the Dragon, but, you know, for a different city. And we would always try and and localize it as best we can. Uh, You know, whatever town we were in, sometimes somebody, you know, back in the office, a lot of times Howard Finkel would be there, and he would do, you know, research where, say, if we were going to, uh, Nashville, you know, he'd say, you know, one of the great restaurants there is the stockyard. So work that in, uh, you know, you're going to, you know, go there the night before to get a good meal. We would do whatever we can't could to localize the interview, maybe mentioning, you know, someone very well known in the town rumored of, you know, quote unquote to, to be coming, but just to to make the fans feel like that was all about their city, and it would be hard, basically doing the same interview. I you know I would say you know the, this week uh, here in Memphis, or you know remember next we're we're two weeks away you know, here at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis. Uh, I'm in front of the camera. Whoever was kind of running the the production part of the interviews they would just tape on the camera right underneath the lens. You know, it might say uh, Denver, Colorado, McNichols Arena, uh, one week from Thursday, and then the card would be listed underneath. So I would have that, you know, run a couple of the other matches and then have bring Jake in to basically do – almost the, the, the same interview. It would just naturally, we would change it up a little bit. I wasn't rehearsed, just, you know, how it happened to go, but for the same match. So, yeah, we would do, you know, interview after interview after interview, but my record was 111 uh, one day at the Meadowlands. And uh, by the end of the night, I I was literally <clears> – <throat> almost out of my feet where the production team took one of the huge camera cases and turned it on its side. And then after they'd open up on me, run the card, I'd bring the the talent in. They would literally close in on just a single shot of the talent so I could lean back and rest against the camera case. (laughs) 
So you're staying yeah, the entire a, time. We, we had a huge, it, and, and also at that, another reason, the, you know, in, in WWF, we would do TV every three or four weeks in Poughkeepsie, New York. So the shows would all be edited, but they would leave three holes in the show. Uh, the first two were a minute and 51 seconds, and the third and final interview was two minutes and 51 seconds. There would be a huge countdown clock on top of the camera where, you know, it had to fit in that hole. <laughs> so if you had a minute and 51 seconds, if you went a minute and 53, you had to do it over because it wouldn't fit. Mm. Uh, but <clears throat> so the, the way we would do it, I was all, always talk to the talent and say, do you want to close it out or do you want me to? If they wanted me to, when that countdown clock, you know, got down to about 15 seconds, you know, even if it was a two shot, I would always move my foot and step on their foot to make sure they realized they had to stop talking so I could pay it off and we could hit the zero or sometimes like somebody like Hulk that was so great. Most of the time Hulk paid it off, but I would still do the same thing just to make sure with about 10 seconds, I just kind of step on his, you know, foot. So he would realize and make sure we would get out right on time. That's first of all, it's amazing that you could do 115 or whatever interviews in a row. And, and, and I'm guessing there's not a whole lot of breaks in between because there's so much time that that's spent doing the interviews. Is that right? Yeah, there there wasn't a lot, and the way they would try and do it, we would always do them, you know, at the building where there was a show that night, you know, because the talent would be there. You know, I had the same production guys that that traveled around, and what they would do is say, especially, you know, the the bigger names like you know Hulk or Macho Man or Roddy Piper, uh, when they got there. We would do all of their interviews. Like sometimes Hulk would come in and we might have 18 interviews to do. He would do his 18 and then he would be done because, you know, even back then they would be, you know, doing a meet and greet or some appearances, you know, just just to have other things. So most times whenever anybody came in, we would knock all those interviews out. (laughs) And it's, it's like anything else. I mean, it it was a lot, uh, almost like being an actor in that, you know, it was my job back in those days to make it every match seem, you know, real, you know, a, a heavyweight championship match. And, you know, when you were doing it over and over and over again, you you really had to get mentally and emotionally into it. So you know, by the end of the day, you'd be pretty drained. Now, now, a couple of questions. So, was it? And and by the way, we have got some people waiting on hold, and we'll get to calls after the first break at six five seven three three sixteen sixty six. So stay right there, uh, Ken. Was it your job or the talent's job when you you talked about? you know, making it town specific and working in restaurants. Was that really your job to lead them into that? I'm assuming the talent didn't want to be bothered with trying to remember the different facts about the town. Oh yeah. I mean, they knew what city we were, you know, supposedly in because it would be right under the camera and it would be, uh, oftentimes Howard Finkel or, or someone else, you know, on the production team or from the office or one of the agents that, you know, and I would ask, okay, you know, we're doing this, uh, you know, for Portland, Oregon. Anybody got anything I can mention about Portland? Somebody would, you know, mention a restaurant or an area, you know, or if we were doing, you know, Seattle, we'd mention the the market. So it, it wasn't, you know, always me, but it was, you know, I would ask, somebody would give me something, and then I would have that in my mind uh, to to mention it on the front end or the back end or somehow, uh, you know, work it in, and, you know, I, I would know 
who was really good talkers and who sometimes, you know, if they weren't a good talker, <laughs> I get a thought or two out, then I might turn to the camera and mention something about that spot so the talent could kind of catch their breath, you know, regroup, and then I'd come back to them with a question. Would the talent, you know, by the end of, let's say you're you're doing, you know, whatever, let's say you're doing interviews for 20 towns with a specific group of talent, would the talent be ultra fatigued and a little bit, a little bit short tempered by the time you come to the end of that run? Um, <clears throat> fatigue, yes, but not really short tempered. Because remember, you know, in those days, uh, you know, most of the talent got paid a percentage of the house. So, you know, it was their job and them wanting to get themselves over, get the match over to try and sell tickets. So fatigue, yes, but, you know, because of that, I mean, in some ways it's a good analogy, in some ways not, but they were almost like a, a salesman working on commission. So never, you know, short tempered, you know, with me or, or anything like that. And again, and, 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 re- remember that the guys that had a lot of interviews to do had a lot of interviews to do because they were good at doing interviews. So, you know, it, it, it was the, the guys that were the best at it had the most to do, and the talent that maybe wasn't too good didn't have all that many interviews to do. All right, coming up on the top of the hour. So let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we had some people uh, jump on and then drop. So if you were waiting on hold to try to get in, uh, this is the time to call back, and I'll get to the people that have waited the longest, obviously, first. 657-383-1666. I want to know, uh, when we get you on the air, what your favorite backstage interviewer was, and it could be from any time period, any time period. And you can't use Ken because we know Ken's our favorite because uh, we love Ken. So besides Ken, who's your favorite backstage interviewer? And then tell us a little bit about why and some favorite memories. Again, 657-383-1666. You can tweet us at Bruce VOC. That's the, 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 my Twitter, and I read it. Uh, or tweet the network at VOC Nation. This is Wrestling With History. We're worldwide in the VOC Nation radio network, and we're back in about three minutes. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at vocnation.com 
and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network, Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Wrestling with History. We're live Wednesday nights, 9.30 Eastern Time. Killer Ken Resnick, the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt. And, Ken, real quick before we get into some calls about their favorite interviewers of all time, I just want to remind everybody, go to VOCNation.com right now. Get your Killer Ken Resnick T-shirt, and you that's on sale, $19.95 plus shipping. takes a little bit longer these days, and I know uh, we had uh, a, a T-shirt winner a couple weeks ago, probably looking for his t-shirt uh that's chris but it takes a little bit longer because of coronavirus and they had a a fourth of july promotion so everything's a little backed up at pro wrestling tees but get your shirt orders in we'll get them out to you and then put put them on display so by the end of uh by the end of by thanksgiving we're going to pick the best t-shirt model with a shirt that's on sale right now the best t-shirt model will get a cash prize. So you want to make sure that you get your shirt so you can get your cash prize. And, Ken, uh, you have your Killer Ken shirt. You you own at least one of them. It's nice and comfortable, right? It is. Uh, I was really happy. Uh, it was a When I got it, it was a thick 100% cotton uh, tagless T-shirt, uh, washed well, uh, and in fact, uh, a week ago, uh, Sunday, I, I was out, uh, had lunch, uh, with a, a bunch of friends, uh, actually following, uh, a very special, uh, first communion, uh, went to, uh, they ended up taking us to my favorite restaurant in the Twin Cities called, uh, Mancini's and, uh, turned out a couple of people at lunch, uh, were wearing, uh, the t-shirt underneath. So had a good laugh. Uh, other people, uh, liked it and I'm, I'm really happy and it is, it's a, a, a really nice, thick, hundred percent cotton pre-shrunk, uh, tagless shirt. So you went out to a restaurant and you're still healthy? Well, we uh, they opened up special. Uh, there was only about uh, 20 of us there uh, following uh, a little girl named Kimberly's first communion, who's very very special to me. Uh, and nice. we sat out. We sat outside uh, on a beautiful patio uh, that was uh, covered and also had a kind of an open air uh, air conditioner. But it was a beautiful day. Uh, we social distance. Everybody wore masks uh, to the restaurant. Uh, uh, the owners of the restaurant had, had totally redone it. Uh, took me inside. Everybody had their masks on. Uh, the staff. So it, it was uh, it, it was a great great time, um, and still uh, healthy. But uh, we practiced. Uh, mask and social distancing in fact uh, even in the church uh, it was uh, very very limited uh, everybody sat about eight feet apart every other row uh, so it, it just shows that uh, uh, not wanting to make a political statement but if uh, people would really practice what's being told they should do you know you can you can get out and and do some things limited but stay healthy uh, it was a you know wonderful day from start to finish. So you were more responsible than the 2020 Florida Marlins who went out partying in Atlanta, got 17 people sick, and caused me not to be able to watch baseball for five days in a row. Uh, or uh, more responsible than uh, the leader of the free world who's now supporting a doctor <laughs> that claims we're getting uh, DNA from aliens to cure it. So there you go. 
Well, you never know. Um, David Icke also made a long career traveling the world talking about that. Hey, speaking of aliens and DNA and uh, T-shirts, here's a guy that I know bought a couple of T-shirts from various shows, including yours, Malcolm, in uh, somewhere out on the west western side of the U.S. What's up, Malcolm? What's your favorite backstage interviewer of all time? Malcolm? I don't know. Ken, you're still there, right? I didn't lose you. Yep, you still got me. All right, Malcolm, I'm going to put you on hold. I'll come back to you. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. (laughs) All right, here's somebody else that I know owns some shirts. Uh, Granny, let's try you. Granny, who's your favorite backstage interviewer outside of Ken? Who's your favorite backstage interviewer of all time? Okay, I always liked to watch Mean Gene Okerlund, you know, back in the day, because I always liked his interaction with Hulk Hogan. But i gotta, I got to tell you something about Ken Resnick, Bruce. I did yeah. not get to really know Ken Resnick until he came to tr- traditional championship wrestling. Now, I remember Ken back in the day when he did the interviews, but I didn't really get to know Ken Resnick till he did the interviews, the backstage interviews at TCW. That's when we really, my family and I really got to know Ken. But so I loved him when he did the interviews at traditional championship wrestling. So, you know, I'm just saying. Was TCW on TV? Did they do local TV down there? Yes, they did. They did. They did TV tapings and they still show the old reruns. I believe down in the Little Rock area, but that's and, but at the time that TCW was running, they were doing shows in Fort Smith, Arkansas. They were doing them in Clarksville. They did them in Pine Bluff. They even did some in Meridian, Mississippi, a few times. They did one in in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. They opened for the Tennessee State Fair, and we actually went to that show in Tennessee at the at the Tennessee State Fairgrounds. And we did Memphis. Okay. Really. And yeah, you did Memphis. So I mean, you know, so they did. I mean, they did a lot. And and the ones that I never got to make it to was, of course, when they were in Meridian, Mississippi, and I didn't make it to the ones in Pine Bluff or Memphis. But we went to Nashville. We were always usually in Fort Smith or Clarksville. But but that's where I mean, I loved Ken Resnick back when he did the interviews for traditional championship wrestling. Thank you, Grant. How I appreciate did... it. Love you too. Good. I love you. How, how long so, did TCW sorry. run? How long did TCW well, we run? St- I, well, I, I, I wasn't we, familiar with it until I, I you okay, know, I started doing this show with Ken. They, okay, before before t- traditional championship wrestling started, I think they were known as Mid South because I knew I, I went oh, to a Mid South okay. wrestling show right here in Springdale. And that's where I mm-hmm. first got to meet Matt Riviera and Greg Anthony and Tim Storm when he had the long hair and him and APOC were part of the tag team called the Dark Circle. They did a show in Springdale, Arkansas, and that was before Granny Hulkster was ever thought of. Now, we started going to TCW in 2011 in Fort Smith. I think they probably started maybe they changed it to traditional championship wrestling about maybe 2009, 2010 maybe. And, yeah, Global uh, Pro Wrestling from 2000 to 2006, Mid-South from 7 to 9, and then 9 to 13, TCW folded in 13, and it was some old-school wrestling with Tommy Dreamer and Chris Masters, Michael Tarver, for those of you who weren't familiar. Granny, i got to run along, but I appreciate hearing from you. Give me your favorite, uh, besides Hulk Hogan, because everybody knows Hulk Hogan, give me uh, the best reason to watch Mean Gene. Well, I mean, he just had a lot of great interviews. I mean, Roddy Piper. I mean, Macho Man Randy Savage. I mean, Jake. I know Jake Roberts because I don't think Gene Okerlund ever liked the Snake. I don't think. I don't think he liked Damien very well. (laughs) He was always scared of Damien. I think. Yeah, Ken. Ken, on that note, and and thank you for the call, Granny. I love you. Blessings to the family, and uh, and and uh, hang in there. We're going to get through this coronavirus thing all together. Uh, Ken, Jake the Snake Roberts with that snake. Did did the snake ever come out of the bag during one of your your segments? And and what, what's it like being around that snake? Um, you know, Jake was great with me. We talked about it, and 
you know, I was really open to this day. I have a fear I, I, of reptiles, snakes, gators. I just, I don't like reptiles. And Jake and I talked, and he realized I wasn't working him, that I had a fear and hated reptiles. And again, going back to what we talked about, where, you know, everybody had a lot of interviews, and Jake did as well. And when he did have the snake out during our interviews, he was always kind enough to make sure that the head of the snake was on the side away from me. So if the snake started to move its head, it would be going away from me, not towards me. So uh, I'm very fond of Jake. Uh, he was certainly, you know, uh, if you look at his interviews back then and even today what he's doing on AEW, uh, I, I, I think for all the credit Jake gets for his work in the ring, he doesn't get enough credit, at least he didn't back then, for how great he was on an interview. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of the best of all time. Did did he ever, Granny alluded to uh, to Gene looking like he didn't like the snake. Did Jane, Jake ever rib Gene Okerlund with the snake? Uh, the, I, I think the, the guys ribbed Gene more than they did me because Gene was, was so good at it. He sometimes would kind of bring a, a bit of a comedic side to the interviews. And, you know, w- when I came in, you know, knowing how good Gene was at his comedic timing and expressions, you know, there was no way I would ever be that good. So I tried to play mine, you know, absolute dead serious you know, every match was was the same as if it was a you know a, a heavyweight championship fight. So they didn't rib me really because I just played it different, but because of Gene's you know great comedic talent and timing, he was also easier to rib. Yeah. <laughs> what was he? Did he did he play? Was he angry when he got ribbed, or was he was it more was he a fun? fun person to be around in that regard. Uh, you know, a fun person once in a while, it would, you know, uh, sometimes he would, but not very often. Is that whole, uh, remember that, uh, do you remember that SummerSlam 89 incident with the sign falling and him dropping the F-bomb on, on live pay-per-view? You familiar uh, with that? I, I, I didn't see it, but I'm, I'm familiar with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's one of those times where, uh, and again, could have been a, a may have been a, a long day after a long night. And, you know, sometimes you're a little short tempered. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best moments of all time. You the classic as a kid watching watching wrestling. I want to ask you about faces and heels, but uh, real quick, I'm going to go to uh, somebody who who hasn't bought a shirt, but he but he should. I haven't seen him on the list. Rat Boy, who's your favorite backstage interviewer of all time besides Ken? All right, you ready for this one? I'm, I'm going ready. to pick what you pick. It's got to be Mr. Bill Ackner himself to you at the matches. All right. So uh, I I knew Bill more from the magazines. I guess he did some backstage stuff on the indie scene. Uh, and he, he did TV with uh, the NWA back in the 80s, but not – not a backstage interviewer. What uh, what stands out to you, Rap Boy? Just uh, work on the indie scene. On indie scene, you know. All right, all right, very good. Um, what's your favorite thing about Bill? He had, he's got that attitude that you know it just brings me out that I gotta go see him because he knows his stuff. You know, he knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because Can I did you, got his book. Have you seen? Yeah, his book is is very very good. Ken, have you seen Bill Apter's work as a backstage interviewer? Oh, well, 
I was with Bill at the big event, and I always say uh, a couple of my claims to fame were that I have been a guest both on Piper's Pit and the After Chat. Yes, yes. <laughs> to to you can't you can't you're not a true star unless you've been on both of those segments and you finally got your After Chat in. Rap boy, uh, thank you for the call. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Uh, let's try Malcolm again before uh, before we get into some more. Malcolm, you back? Yeah, my can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I've been having problems with my phone. I'm sorry, Bruce. I'm sorry to uh, to. Um, uh, in well, the it's it's fine. I think I think it's a conspiracy uh, for people that don't yeah. want you to talk on the air here. Oh yeah, there's there's jealousy all over because me and David Arquette. We're doing a movie pretty soon. We're going to do Bozo the Clown, a childhood character I used to watch when I was five years old in Vallejo, California, on Channel 20 when I come home from kindergarten. And then watch, I watch Rocket Robin Hood, Tobar the I Ace can't Man. wait to see it. Yeah. You have to keep and, me updated. Bruce, keep... I'm glad I'm, I'm letting you know first because you've been there with me since May 2011. Not Brady, not nobody, man. You've been there for me. So, We're, Boss uh... and Malcolm and are hooking up. And my greatest interviewer backstage would have to be the rowdy one, Roddy Piper. Okay. All right, Roddy Piper. And Roddy was, uh, you know, different kind of interview. He wasn't necessarily the guy that was doing the interviews for the towns, but he was that first uh, segment. You know, it was the first kind of uh, – um, well, Ken, what's the word I'm looking for? But he was the first wrestler segment type interview, right? He was the first um, – I can't. I don't have words for it. But you know what I'm talking about, right, Ken Resnick? Sure. I mean, Piper's Piper's Pit. You know. I mean, so many others have been launched on that. But Roddy was really the first wrestler to to have that kind of segment where he was the host of it, uh, and it, it was so popular that even if Roddy wasn't wrestling, a lot of times he would be on a house show just doing a live Piper's Pit. I mean, he he launched, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Adrian Adonis's The Flower Shop, yeah. and even, you know, now today, you know, The Miz had his. I mean, you know, Roddy was the, the first one. Uh, he launched that, that whole wrestler hosting segment and, and Ken what was the and thank you for the call Malcolm I appreciate it very good very good one I didn't think of Roddy and Ken what was the reason for Piper's Pit so you know the backstage stuff was to talk people into the town what was the reason for Piper's Pit was that just to, to generate heat for for people that they needed to generate heat with uh, a little bit but it was also everybody recognized how great Rowdy was, and it right. was a chance to just have him out there. You know, I mean, back in those days, unlike today, it was really a superstar-driven, you know, in the Hulk and the Macho Man, Miss Elizabeth, Rowdy Roddy, Ricky Dragon, Jake the Snake. It was just a way that even if Rowdy, you know, wasn't, wrestling on TV, you know, each week. It was a way to get him out there. And if you think about most of the Piper's pits, it wasn't obvious, but it was either to drive an angle or to drive a match. And it was a way that it could be done. He was good enough to do it, you know, live in front of a crowd and oftentimes, you know, a schmaz would, would, would break out. But it was just another way to, to showcase and kind of, you know, drive, you know, ticket sales or pay-per-view sales. That's how they got Hogan Andre. WrestleMania three started on Piper's Pit. Uh, Chris, yep. Minnesota, who's your favorite interviewer, backstage interviewer of all time? I have three of them. Uh, three of Baron them. Von Raschke. Okay. The Crusher and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby, see, I didn't. As, now you guys are going to have to educate me because I didn't know that 
any of those three were. I guess Bobby Heenan I've seen on different, you know, mostly as fill-in work. But tell me about Baron Von Raschke and the crusher. Oh, he used to crush the tomatoes against the fence every (laughs) once in a while and put the claw on. Oh, he was fantastic. And the crusher, he used to have a cigar in his mouth and sometimes used to have a keg of beer on his shoulder and he used to get it all going for Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Bruce, I, I, I think Chris may, may have missed the beginning. He's talking about wrestlers that were great on interviewers, and I think you were talking about, you know, announcers that did the interviews. So I think there might be, as we, what was that old movie? I think what we have here is a failure in communication. <laughs> Well, then, Chris, I'm going to give you another chance. So I agree with that. And, and listen, Bobby the Brain Heenan is the best of all time in front of the camera in, in terms of my opinion. And I think that Hulk, Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan was largely fueled by Bobby Heenan, both in the AWA and the WWF. I, I used to say on the radio all the time there'd be no Hulkamania, as we know, without Bobby Heenan and the great antagonist that he was. But who's your favorite, besides Ken, who's your favorite interviewer backstage? That would be then Jim Ross, when he Jim did it Ross. a few okay. times back in the day. Or or Gordy Sullivan, uh, WC, uh, he was a WC, uh, WCW back in the day, too. Gordon Soley. Gordon, Gordon Soley, right? Soley, that's right. I'm sorry, Gordon that's Soley. correct. Yeah, yeah he was good uh, back good. in the day, too. Very good. All right, as always, good stuff, Chris. Thanks for the call. Anything else on your mind before I let you go? Just keep up a good show, guys. All right, appreciate it. Uh, Ken, so I want to get into this uh, before we before we run out of time because we're, we're running towards the end. What's the difference between interviewing a face and a heel? Did you go into it different? Was the psychology different? Well, I- as an interviewer, you know, you're, you're trying to be neutral, so you, you didn't want to show it too often, but I, I think it was something that really gets lost today, especially with guys, whether they were a face or a heel, if they weren't good talkers, you could either try and, if they were heels, bury them a little more, or if they were faces, put them over a little bit more. Uh, in other words, say if, if, if I'm doing an, an interview with you and you're a baby face and, you know, you're kind of fumbling around a little bit, I could just stop and go, you know, Bruce, I understand, you know, whoever your opponent is, his actions have got you so flustered. Everybody could, can understand that. But if you can, you know, put that aside and focus on, in other words, putting them over that they're so flustered or the same scenario, if you're a heel, I could come back and say, you know, you're, you're saying one thing, but you, you seem so upset and flustered. You must really be afraid of him. So, you know, you could, you could take the same, you know, scenario of an interview not really going great and either as a face, you know, try and put them over a little bit or as a heel, try them, try to bury them. In other words, throw out, if I would say you must be afraid of them, it would give you a chance to explode. I'm not afraid of anything. And if you're a baby face, you know, be very humble. You're right. Some of the things he's done to me, you know, so, so you would, you would approach it the same but if you needed to interject, you would come at it in a different way. Interesting. Interesting. And did you ever have a chance to to kind of be a heel on camera in any of your work, whether it was, you know, back with the big promotions or, or working on the indies? You know, not – I mean, there were some times I would have liked to, trust me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I never really did because, you know – I always took the view that I was there to enhance or get over the talent as best I could that no one, you know, it's been wonderful. A lot of fans like Granny appreciated the work and, and, you know, I had a chance to get to know. But I always try to take, you know, the, the, the stance that nobody is going to be buying a ticket to see me 
but I can try and make them want to buy a ticket to see whoever I'm interviewing. So I, I never try to, you know, overshadow or, or be confrontational. You know, I, I would either try and build them up or, or, or take them down or give them a chance to, to get upset or whatever, but never, you know, took the stance of, of, being a heel, although, boy, there were some times I would have loved to. All right, here's the question that everybody's probably been waiting all hour for me to ask you. So right now, if you watch Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and not really AEW because I think they do things a little bit different, but if you watch one of the other wrestling shows, they're – almost seems to be a teleprompter in front of today's backstage interviewers. It's very rehearsed, very scripted. It's widely reported that most, if not all, of what the talent says is very, very scripted, almost word for word. Back in your day, and we've talked about this in a general sense, but let's get very specific. You said Howard Finkel would write down some bullet points every once in a while, and I think I've heard that before, The Fink would would give people just little nuggets to say. But outside of that, whose job was it to come up with the interview? Was that Vince? Was that the talent all on their own? Was that the interviewer? Who walked through what was going to be said? Uh, there, were, there was never a walkthrough other than, like, when Howard was would be there or someone from the office, you know, we would do so many, they might say, okay, now, you know, uh, Hulk, you're talking about your match with, uh, uh, with Adrian coming up in, in Denver. Now, remember, last time there, this is what happened. But we would, we would know, you know, what had happened, what the match was, any stipulations, why it was happening. But, you know, I would sometimes say, okay, Here's what I'll open with, but it, it it was never rehearsed. You know, sometimes Vince would be there and say, "Remember, I want you to hit this." He would tell you what he what he wanted you to hit, but never what to say. That was always just up to me or just up to the talent. It it was never rehearsed. There was in you know when I say Howard uh, Finkel, uh, not necessarily bullet points, but he, in other words. What city, if it was going to be two weeks from Saturday, two weeks from Thursday, this coming, you know, Wednesday, you know, the town, the arena, and the card, but it, it was not rehearsed at all, you know, well, do you think, never. Do you and think? The, the, the thing that just drives me absolutely crazy, you know, it, it, it's obviously rehearsed, it's scripted, it's almost like a teleprompter, but... When the interview ends, they just have like the interviewer kind of like just staring into space. No, no, <laughs> yeah. doesn't pay it off, you know. And I mean, you know, the television today, they know exactly if they're going back to ringside, if they're going back to a commercial, if they're going up to the ring announcer. But instead of saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Back to you, Michael, or we'll be back after this, or let's go out to rings. They just like stare in the space like they're just, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, that just, just drives me. Um, because I can remember, you know, almost every single interview, you know, where at least I would pay it off with, you know, something like, this coming Wednesday night, don't you dare miss it. But they, they just like stare in the space like they just have no well, there's nothing written, so I'll just, like, stare out into space. I don't know. I mean, that just drives me nuts. You think it changed, Ken, when – so back when you were doing it, it was about playing towards whatever the upcoming matches were and, and really the feel of a fight, you know, like a boxing press conference. You, there's that feel of a fight and getting into that, that fight and creating animosity – now, do you think that the reason that it's so scripted today is because it's more like episodic television than it than it is a a big fight kind of atmosphere? Um, uh, the truth is, you know, I, I I don't know, but part of it is everybody knows 
this is just a, you know, entertainment product that, you know, everything is, is scripted, everything is out there. And, you know, back even when we did like, you know, the day I did uh, 111 interviews, every interview, Bruce, had a purpose. We were either, you know, putting over something that's going to happen that did happen, setting something up, setting up, you know, getting people to try and buy a pay-per-view or buy merchandise or something. Once in a while, we would do an interview that was called a general. It would be with, you know, uh, uh, maybe a wrestler that, that wasn't getting a push but was still a draw and just so they had exposure where, you know, those were the hardest because the general was, okay, you're going to do an interview with so-and-so. It's a general where there's really nothing to talk about but make something up to talk about. But, you know, 98% of the interviews were just specific for one purpose. And some of the stuff today, I mean, you watch some of the interviews and it, it's like, why did they bother to do that? I mean, it's it's just like <laughs> nothingness, you know, yeah. or, you know, uh, 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 a wrestler kind of making goo-goo eyes at the gal interviewing or something. I just kind of, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's granted they get millions of viewers. It, it's entertainment. Uh, you know, there's certainly tremendous athleticism, uh, you know, high spots in the matches, but it's so completely different from what people grew up watching into the 70s, 80s, and 90s that for those of us that love that era, today's product is just hard to watch, you know. The young people today that were never exposed to that, you know, it's all they know, so they accept it, they watch it, they enjoy it, but it, it's just so different. Yeah, not the big fight feel. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not as big of a fan as of the the episodic television show as maybe the modern day fan. Well, there you have it. Uh, we walked through 40 years of uh, the backstage interview with one of the best of all time, Killer Ken Resnick. And, Ken, I'm going to put this out there. If somebody wants to tweet me, at Bruce VOC, or, or tweet the network, at VOC Nation, uh, give us a suggestion for a topic next week, or, or drop us a line on the uh, the Facebook page. Uh, it's the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt, my fan page, not my personal page. Drop us a line. Give us an idea for a topic, and uh, and we might we might use yours, because we're looking for that. Uh, we'll we'll try to get you a guest back in here in the next uh, in the upcoming weeks. But listen, gang, I know I, I've heard from some fans of Ken every once in a while that uh, they ask us why we don't have more guests. And quite frankly, it's a little tougher to get guests these days. Uh, a lot of times, it's easy to get guests when it comes. It's it's almost like the backstage interview. You get a guest that's going to make an appearance at a convention, and the promoters of those conventions will have their their talent on to try to hype things up and build uh, build uh, momentum and build some interest in the show. But with nothing going on, it's very tough to get guests. So we want to try to keep some lively topics and conversation. And if you're listening on the podcast and you've never listened live or if you're listening live and you've never called in, we love the callers that we get regularly, but we know there's a whole bunch more of you out there. We see the numbers. So Give us a call. Don't be afraid. And and that number is 657-383-1666. Remember to subscribe to all the VOC Nation content on your favorite podcast app. Just search for the VOC Nation Radio Network. And other than that, for Killer Ken Resnick, I am the voice of choice, Bruce Ward. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday right here on VOCNation.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is X-Pac, and you're listening to VOC Nation.
wrestling with history, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. Ken? When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on, Chris? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? Almost as famous for, for his Facebook trolling as he is from his wrestling years. General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have fled? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Diller, you guys are busting me up. <laughs> and I don't think Hollywood's ready for Nalgamania, but we'll wait and see. The bigger you are, the harder you this is Larry Zabisco, wrestling's living legend. VOC Nation Radio, worldwide. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation, worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks, having started way back in 2010. VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Danger Sandy Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.